It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and if you are looking for a place to make your online wagers, it's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts using the code podcast one to get a 50% sign-up bonus. He is Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter, helping me roll to a very good start so far in the Fantasy Feast Eaton podcast, Fantasy League. I love it. I think I'm 6-3 and three now. I'll take it. I guess see what place I'm in. I was dominant. I had like, oh man, I had Roethlisberger and Ertz and Corey Davis. Wish I could have saved some of those points for some other week. But anyway, dominant performance for your boy, Evan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. If you're a Facebook person, it's facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I know why you're here, though. You want Evan Silva's knowledge to be dropped for the stretch run here in fantasy football. Speaking of Evan's knowledge, Evan, I don't know if you use OMAX Cognitive Boost or not, but with the way you're able to go through every skill guy in every game, I feel like you must. I know a lot of people drink coffee or energy drinks, whatever. It gives you a temporary boost, but they're not doing anything really for cognition. Here's the deal. Your brain's ability to think fast, communicate more clearly, operate on all cylinders. OMAX Cognitive Boost. And here's what I love. And I've said this before on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast as well. Is that they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. 60-day. So if you go to omaxboost.com slash feast, you get 60% off. But you also get a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not feeling it, right? Like if you're not... If you're not feeling like it's it's doing the trick for you or really helping you, then just get your money back. But obviously, a lot of people must feel like it's working for them because this company's killing it right now. OmaxBoost.com slash feast today to get 60% off a one-month supply plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. O-M-A-X. B-O-O-S-T dot com slash feast, 60% off, and in my mind, the key, the 60-day money-back guarantee. Next meal. All right, Evan, let's start with a good Thursday nighter again this week. It's the Packers in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Yeah, so 49-point total, pretty solid on the game. Uh, Russell Wilson has been on a roll. Five straight top 12 fantasy quarterback performances. If you look at the point totals that the Packers have given up on the road, you'd probably raise your projection for uh, the Seahawks' uh, projected Week 11 scoring because, I mean, it's 29-31, 34. Every road game they've given up a ton of points. The only games really that they played strong defense this year have been at home against Miami and Buffalo, and it's not particularly uh, difficult 
to play good defenses at home against those teams. So I think it's uh, all systems go on Russell Wilson in his receiver core. Doug Baldwin has been a disappointment, uh, and we've known that for a while. So we adjusted expectations down for him, only averaging four and a half targets over his last six games since returning from a knee injury. He's had some bigger target games in there, but then mixed them in like he had a a one-target game. Uh, The Packers are so banged up entering this game. I mean, they are going to be without Kentrell Bryce. They're starting strong safety. Um, uh, Nick Perry, pass rusher, not going to play. They've got just a ton of injuries uh, on the defensive side. So I I think that Doug Baldwin is uh, on that wide receiver three fringe most weeks, uh, but you lean toward playing him this week, whereas if he was in a more difficult position, uh, you might lean away from him and in favor of someone else. Tyler Lockett, exact same number of targets uh, since Doug Baldwin returned four and a half a game, but he has been getting it done. He's got seven touchdowns in nine games so far. The Packers have allowed the third most touchdowns to wide receivers in the NFL, and Doug Bal- and uh, Tyler Lockett leads the Seahawks in touchdown catches. So that kind of aligns nicely. Uh, tight end, Nick Bennett scored a first drive eight-yard touchdown last week. Wasn't really heard from again. He's sharing time with Ed Dixon, and I try to avoid tight end timeshares uh, with very few exceptions. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, especially when they don't have, like, a ton of talent. I mean, like, we'll see O.J. Howard and Cameron Bray, you know, and O.J. Howard is just an absolute beast. Uh, but in this case, it's trending toward a 50-50 rotation. Whereas like OJ Howard is like 75, 25. Uh, so not real interested in Nick Vanette or Ed Dixon beyond like single game DFS slates in the backfield. Pete Carroll says Chris Carson's coming back and that is maybe good for the Seahawks. Really bad for fantasy. We don't like these three man backfields. We like the running the backfields when there's two of them, you know, you think about the Patriots, the Patriots, They'll have three-man backfields at times. The Lions had a three-man backfield. Once they're immediately once they're narrowed to two, you know whether it be Kerryon Johnson and Legarrette Blunt, um, or you know in in, uh, in Green Bay, uh, you know you, you narrow it, you take away Ty Montgomery. All of a sudden, Aaron Jones is exploding. Um, you know you take away Rex Burkhead, and uh, Sony Michelle was going off for a while, and you know James White has been an RB one all year. We can deal with the two-man backfields, the three-man backfields. It's just, you know, you're, you're, you're playing with fire. And Rashad Penny balled out last week, and uh, Mike Davis was really, really solid. Uh, but with Chris Carson returning, they're just all high-risk flex plays, even a good matchup against Green Bay. On the other side, Aaron Rodgers has been a fantasy disappointment. Um, and they've become more of a, uh, a running team uh, and it, just more balanced. That might be good for them as a team. It's not good for his fantasy outlook, necessarily. Uh, I still think he's a start, but he's not not a strong start. I think that one for one, I would rather play Russell Wilson over Aaron Rodgers in this game. He'd be in that uh, that nine to twelve range among quarterbacks, whereas usually when you think of Aaron Rodgers, you think of him as a top three play. Aaron Jones, you know, just push the button, and his his DFS price has not gone up enough uh, after last week's breakout game. He set uh, season highs across the board again. Uh, 18 touches had, you know, continues to rip off monster runs. 
this is an elite running game at this point. Um, the NFL matchup Twitter account, which I would exp- I would encourage anyone to follow, have some really great stats, uh, stats that you can't really find anywhere else. Um, it's the the Twitter account for like the Greg Cosell show. Uh, it is noted that the Packers have one of the highest uh, rates in terms of uh, rushing yards before contact per carry. So they're clearing alleys in the running game, and Aaron Jones Jones is exploiting them. Uh, he's trending toward RB1 value against the Seahawks. The Seahawks have given up big games in back-to-back weeks to Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. I know those guys are elite fantasy running backs. Guess what? So was Aaron Jones. Um, no Randall Cobb. Marcus Valdez-Scantling will play in the slot. Didn't have a big game last week, uh, but he only ran one fewer route than Devontae Adams. He had six catches, just didn't break a big play. Uh, I don't think that there's anything particularly intimidating about the Seahawks cornerbacks. Shaq Griffin has taken a little bit of a step back in his second year. Um, they play Trey uh, Flowers at right cornerback on every snap, and he's a fifth-round rookie. He started to get burned a lot. Devontae Adams is going to get a lot of him. Um, and then the third receiver will be Equinemius St. Brown, uh, who you know, Aaron Rodgers, like, he's been getting pissed at him. You, know, you never want to see that. And – they started to use more two tight ends last week, some two and even three tight ends with Lance Kendricks and uh, Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis. Mercedes Lewis actually had a big catch against the Dolphins, only a second catch of the year. Um, but, you know, they scaled back Equinemia St. Brown, played more two tight end sets. So, uh, you know, that's concerning. He's just a DFS uh, single game slate option. Um, Jimmy Graham uh, did not have a catch until the fourth quarter. Last week was just a ghost. His snaps and his routes were way down. Uh, all that is concerning. This is a revenge game for Jimmy Graham, and he's been pretty good for the most part this year. I know that you know we all look at the last performance, and that heavily skews our vision of the player. But I mean, he's been pretty good this year. I would keep rolling with him. We can move on to the next one. Next one, Sunday, 1 o'clock, we'll start with the Cowboys. They got Zeke going in Philadelphia. They take on the Falcons that put up a bunch of yards, but not a lot of points against the Browns in a disappointing effort. And by the way, let me just say this, uh, Evan. Who told you to watch out for Doug Baldwin this year after they said he had a sore knee in training camp? Oh, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Come on, Um, dude, when I have a good call, we we got to make sure people know. You're the one making most of the calls. No, no, that's true. No, yeah, I mean, no question. You know, we, we expressed great concern about Doug Baldwin. You were at the forefront of that groundbreaking analysis. So, you know, that's, hey, we, you're putting that Princeton degree to, degree to great use. Um, speaking of Princeton degrees, Jason Garrett got a much-needed win. How about that segue? Jason nice. Garrett got a much-needed win. I, I should have my own podcast, shouldn't I? Um. Jason Garrett got a much-needed win. You're right on the back of Ezekiel Elliott. Now facing off with this Falcons defense. Just got smashed by the Browns running game. Um, I don't know. They averaged something like nine yards per carry or something ridiculous. Uh, Of course, skewed by the Nick Chubb run for 92 yards. But, I mean, they were breaking off chunk runs long before that. Uh, Duke Johnson got in, in on the action there. Uh, the Falcons giving up the most running, uh, re- running back receptions again for the fourth straight year. Uh, we saw seven targets for Zeke Elliott last week. And um, 
and uh, uh, the, uh, the Falcons are getting back Deion Jones, who is a difference maker, but this is going to be his first football game, you know, since week one, and he's certainly going to have to shake off some rust. And even when he was in there, they were still, you know, hemorrhaging uh, the receptions allowed to running backs. So uh, Ezekiel Elliott, pretty much an ideal situation. You know, I, I, it could it could get concerning maybe, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, if they fall behind. But in, just in terms of matchup, it doesn't get a whole lot better than this huge workload projection. Dak Prescott has played better. You know, he had the one hiccup against the Titans at home coming off the bye. And look, we've talked about coming off the bye, how that can be, um, you know, not necessarily a good thing. Um, and... You know, he, he did not play well in that game against Tennessee, and the, the Cowboys as a team did not play well uh, in that Monday night game against Tennessee. So, But, you know, in the, the three surrounding games, in three of the last four, Dak Prescott has played pretty well, and he's been good in fantasy, and he's rushed for a touchdown in all three of those games, um, and he has just run more period in all three of those games. So I think that... Uh, he is on the fringe uh, of being a, a solid streamer at Atlanta. I think this game can have some points for sure. I mean, the Cowboys are going to try to slow it down and control the game and control the clock, uh, but the Falcons could score points. Uh, and, you know, they've been highly, highly efficient in terms of point scoring points per drive, yards per drive. So I think that both of these teams can score in this game, and Dak Prescott is a decent streamer um, with a little bit of daily fantasy uh, value you'd probably play him in the same lineups as you play Zeke Elliott and or Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper has uh, re- like meshed really quickly in Dallas. Um, he has assimilated very quickly. I-, I think it's very impressive, and you know maybe a testament to his football intelligence. I mean that has been, you know that's been something that has been a, you considered a positive for him since he came out of Alabama. Didn't, we didn't always get to see it in Oakland. Uh, but some, a lot of times a change of scenery can help a player. We've seen that. He's been very good. He had five catches for 56 yards and a touchdown in the first game. He had six for 75 in the last game. You know, that's that's kind of like consistent production that we can plug into our lineup every week as a wide receiver too. Facing off with this Falcons defense that has allowed uh, the second most uh, touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in the NFL this year, eight and ten targets the last two games. The only he's the only playable Dallas Cowboys receiver. Uh, everybody else is just a complimentary guy, which is fine, uh, and it makes it, it easy on, on us in fantasy because we really, you don't have to mess around with Cole Beasley or Michael Gallup. You know, we we know that that Amari Cooper is going to be dominating that that target share. On the other side, Matt Ryan, although the Falcons kind of laid an egg last week on the road in Cleveland. Uh, he still had a big fantasy game. He was a top 12 dude on the week. Um, now he goes back to the Dome. His three, his yards per attempt average is three yards higher uh, in Atlanta than on the road. Um, so I, I think you, you keep rolling with him. Cowboys do have a pretty good pass defense, but uh, you know not, 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 not impenetrable. Uh, Carson Wentz was a top 10 fantasy quarterback against them last week. Marcus Mariota had the big game against them on uh, on the, in the Monday night game since their bye. So they've given up two strong fantasy performances to opposing quarterbacks uh, in, in uh, back-to-back weeks. 
uh, at the running back position, you know, because the Falcons just did not play well against Cleveland in general, uh, Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith were disappointments. Tevin Coleman did separate himself a little bit from Edo Smith, though, in terms of playing time and in terms of touches. Um, and he got five targets, and now he's got 12 targets since the Falcons' uh, week eight bye. Uh, those are good numbers. You know, in, uh, entering our, or before the bye, he had not had a single game above five targets. Uh, now he's got seven and five targets since the bye. Th- that's good news. You want to attack these Cowboys linebackers, not necessarily with the running game, uh, but go after like Jalen Smith in the passing game and you know try to force him into coverage and they can do that on those little arrow routes to the outside with Tevin Coleman I think that Tevin Coleman we can project him for 13 to 17 touches uh he's got the big play abilities back on the fast track I think he's a solid RB2 play Edo Smith just need a touchdown from him uh and you know but he's that's that's all he is a flex option touchdown dependent Flex option. Julio, touchdowns in back-to-back games, both on screen plays. Last week's touchdown at the goal line came on a screen. Touchdown before that came on a screen, 35 yards out uh, against Josh Norman. Um, you know, Byron Jones and Shadobi Awuzie are very, very good, and they're plus-size cornerbacks, and this is never a good matchup for a wide receiver. Uh, of course, Julio Jones is you know not your everyday wide receiver, and we're playing him in season long, and he's, I think, a contrarian play in daily fantasy. Although, because he has this recent production, his ownership rate will probably be higher than, than it should be in a matchup like this. Mohamed Sanu is a, a touchdown or bus guy. He had a touchdown called back uh, last week. Um, or actually, I think two weeks in a row, yeah, because he had one called back against Washington, too. Uh, he's, you know, just not having big yardage games, not having big target games. Calvin Ridley's clearly out in front of him, but Calvin Ridley's kind of in the same boat. Uh, Calvin Ridley has two out of nine games well above 100 yards, and then every other game is below 60. Uh, So that puts him in that wide receiver three kind of touchdown reliant mix. Austin Hooper was the guy who stepped up last week. 11 targets, caught 10 of them, a little over 50 yards and a touchdown. You know, this is another situation where it's like it's like impossible to project all these complimentary dudes in the Falcons passing game. You're, you're just kind of getting lucky when they have a good game. Um, Austin Hooper happened to have the good game last week, and uh, that was his third game of double digit targets in, in all the other six. He has five or fewer targets. Uh, so I, I don't know what to say. That's that's what we're dealing with. It's Julio, and then everybody else is complimentary. We can move on to the next game. Let's get to Cincinnati. Still don't have A.J. Green against the Ravens. Now, we're recording this at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. We still don't know if Flacco is going to play, right? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, it's really hard to talk about the Ravens right now. Uh you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. If, if you are a John Brown owner or a Michael Crabtree owner, you would prefer it to be Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco has completed over 60. I know he's not the perfect quarterback, trust me. But he's completed over 61% of his passes, and they're leading the NFL in pass attempts per game with Joe Flacco in there. If they go with Lamar Jackson or Robert Griffin III, they're going to become a heavy run team. And they're going to shave, you know, probably more than 10 pass attempts per game off of their their weekly total. 
Um, so, so I, you know, I, I like John Brown has already been really volatile and he would become even more volatile if the other, if, you know, one of the, the dual threat quarterbacks were, were uh, to be started and Michael Crabtree just hasn't been real good either way. Uh, but he would be a viable play if Flacco played. You know, I get questions about Hayden Hurst every week. It's you. We have to see it before it happens because he just does not get the, enough playing time. Um, and he, I mean, he shares with with other dudes, with Nick Boyle, and um, you know, their their other tight ends. I mean, they have four tight ends that they can use on the team. Mark Andrews, who they invested a third round pick in, Max Williams, who they drafted in the second round a few years back. So. Um, no, I don't. I don't have high hopes at all for Hayden Hurst. I don't even think he should be owned in fourteen team leagues. The beneficiary of one of the dual threat quarterbacks getting the start would be Alex Collins, because again, they've become a very heavy run team. They should have their two uh, starters that they were missing on the offensive line, Alex Lewis and James Hurst, back, coming off of their bye week. This Bengals defense has been the most disappointing defense in football. This season, that's why guys get fired. You know, that's why Terrell Austin get, got fired. They brought in Hugh Jackson to help on defense. It seems silly, but, you know, who, who knows? You know, maybe it'll work. Um, and, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I doubt it actually does work. I mean, I don't think it's really going to make any kind of a difference. Um, I personally would like to see Lamar Jackson just get the rest of the season. Ravens are not, you know, going to the Super Bowl. Um, they are not, you know, they're not winning anything. They've lost four in a row. They're four and five. You know, if John Harbaugh were to like, if they were to have success with Lamar Jackson, that actually could save John Harbaugh's job. And there's been a lot of chatter about him losing his job. Um, and Lamar Jackson would be an absolute beast in fantasy. I mean, I did a, just a back of the nap, napkin projection for him really conservative uh, the other day. It was like 165 passing yards. One touchdown, one interception, 60 rushing yards, which sounds aggressive, but it's not for Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's going to have games where he runs for over 100. He is that explosive. He's more explosive than Kaepernick was. He's way more explosive than Russell Wilson was. Cam Newton is, you know, super physical, uh, but uh, Lamar Jackson's way more explosive. He's way more explosive than Mitchell Trubisky is. Um you know, and then I did uh, half of a rushing touchdown per game, which also is very conservative. And it was like 20 fantasy points, you know. So that's like your sort of your floor for Lamar Jackson, um, which kind of hints at his upside when he does have one of those 100 rushing yards ga- yard games. He does rush for a full touchdown. You know, he does throw for 225 and maybe two in one pick. I mean, he's got like 40-point fantasy upside without any with beyond any shadow of a doubt and you know i personally as a fantasy guy would like to see that uh, i put him on my roster and or i put on every roster that i have um you know maybe it won't work out you know maybe it will i was dropping like second defenses and you know robbie anderson to get him uh, but I, I would recommend stashing him to anyone out there cincinnati so they just didn't have the ball last week i mean it was you know it was just the most dominant game of the week uh it kind of reminded me of when the saints went to buffalo last year and just just they had the ball the entire time and they would just run the ball down the field and you know there was nothing that buffalo could do about it and there was a little more passing success here i mean drew Brees went 22 for 25 not a lot of not a lot of attempts but a lot of completions 
Um, but that's the kind of domination that it was. And the Bengals didn't even have the ball really until they, you know, Jeff, Jeff Driscoll was in there in garbage time. So Tyler Boyd was a disappointment. I think he bounces back immediately against Baltimore. Uh, you want to attack Baltimore in the middle of the field. Um, and that kind of plays to the strengths of the Bengals passing game, which they don't have very many strengths in the passing game anymore. Um, but that's CJ Uzoma and Tyler Boyd. So CJ Uzoma is in the mix as a streamer, a lower end streamer. And I think that Tyler Boyd is a locked in wide receiver too. It's, it's a lot of people play him in daily fantasy last week. Um, and so it's an interesting week to go back to him because people are not going to want to play him this week. And he's not in any different of a situation really, uh, than he was last week. Uh, Andy Dalton is not a good fantasy play though. Um, you know, he's just, you know, at Baltimore, um, you know, not enough weapons. I mean, the dude averages five fewer fantasy points per game whenever he's missing AJ green and Tyler Eifert, you know, so two quarterback league play. Joe Mixon is purely a volume play against the Ravens. Not a good matchup, you know, underdogs on the road. Um, John Ross scored a touchdown, but didn't do anything else last week. Just not a very good player. I mean, just, just not very good at the game. And uh, we can move on to the next one. Next game, Carolina Panthers, who cut C.J. Anderson this week. He wanted a little bit more of a role, it seems like, against the Lions, who are kind of a mess, kind of disappointed. I thought I, I was – I feel pretty decent about the Lions a few weeks ago, and it seems like almost like ever since the Golden Tate trade, the bottom's just fall, fallen out. Yeah, I felt the same way about the Lions. I thought that they were kind of starting to, to turn a corner. And they get rid of Golden Tate and they can't do anything right. They can't pass protect. I mean, that was one of the things that, you know, it, it kind of made sense for them to move on from Golden Tate because their offensive line was just dominating. And now they've given up 16 sacks and, you know, 27 quarterback hits in the last two games. And now they are facing Carolina, which is going to give them some relief because the Panthers have not rushed the passer well this year. And that's been at the epicenter of their defensive struggles. They haven't been particularly good against the run either. Um, I actually think it's maybe a bounce back spot for the Lions um, because carry uh, on Johnson last week, they stuck with him when they fell behind. Theo Riddick was even more of a slot receiver last week, which I think is smart by the Lions. I don't really you know, have high expectations for Matthew Stafford anymore because he just hasn't had big games all year. Um, but I do think that he's a strong, he, he's a decent streamer and strong two-quarterback league play. Doesn't look like Marvin Jones is going to go, though, um, due to a bone bruise on his knee, and that puts Kenny Galladay in prime position. Now, Kenny Galladay is going to have to deal with James Bradbury, who has been pretty good this year. Uh, you know, there was a, a game a couple of weeks back where he locked up Mike Evans. Mike Evans had 16 yards on 10 targets in that game. So it's definitely not a gimme matchup. But I think that Kenny Galladay could get like 11 targets in this game, and that would put him in a very good fantasy position, even if he only catches, you know, four or five if he catches a, a long one or two and a touchdown or two, you're in really great shape. 
Uh, and they kept they filled him up with targets last week. A lot of it was in garbage time. But you still like to see that for Kenny Galladay. Uh, Michael Roberts, who really had the tight end position all to himself last week, he suffered a shoulder injury. Uh, so I guess they're going to have to go back to Luke Wilson. But at this point, they just don't have pass catchers. And uh, I think that that puts Theo Riddick in the mix as a flex play. Kerryon Johnson, I think, is awesome daily fantasy play this week. If you think that the Lions can bounce back, and I actually do, um, he can he can be in, in a really solid position uh, as a, a, a guy who would be you know favored at home theoretically in your mind. And uh, facing off with this Panthers defense that has not been particularly good against the run, and he's got a shot at 20 touches. I mean, he had 20 touches last week. On the other side, Cam Newton had his worst game all season uh, Thursday night against the Steelers. You know, he has not played well in Thursday night games throughout his career. Um, And... You know, that's starting to become a trend that maybe we should take note of going forward. With that said, I think that he is likely to bounce back. You know, he gets to play this game in a dome. Um, The Lions' pass rush has evaporated. They had some good games early in the season, but their pass rush has really evaporated. Bottom five in the NFL and pressure rate. And, uh, uh, so I, I think that Cam Newton is like – I'm, I'm going right back to him in season long for sure. Um, the Lions, they have gotten better in terms of rushing efficiency allowed since they uh, acquired Damon Snacks Harrison. Uh, before they acquired him, they were allowing five, uh, six yards per carry to opposing running backs. Since they've acquired him, they're allowing fewer than four yards per carry, but their pass – uh, their yards per pass attempt allowed is way up. It was eight before acquiring uh, Snacks Harrison. It's been over 11 since acquiring Snacks Harrison. That's not Snacks Harrison's fault. You know, that, that's that's definitely not Snacks Harrison's fault. Um, but it just goes to show you, be, because they've collapsed as a team since then, it just goes to show you that, you know, stopping the run isn't necessarily that important. You know, you, you need to stop the pass uh, to have a, 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 com- a competent defense, and the Lions have not been able to stop the pass, and so they've been outscored 86 to 45 over their last three games. Um, I don't know if Darius Slay is going to play, but that is a big deal for Devin Funches, who who has been really quiet recently. Um, you know, we talked in the off season a lot about the splits when Greg Olson played and when he did not play, and. Uh, in the first two games when Greg Olson came back, Devin Funches was fine. He had 8 and 11 targets. But Devin Funches has taken very much of a back seat uh, in the ensuing games. And I think that at this point he's a fringe kind of uh, fringe wide receiver three touchdown reliant guy um, because he's just not getting the targets anymore. Greg Olson should be good to go. Um, you know, he he didn't he w- was the only guy who had a somewhat decent game in the in the pass catcher core. Uh, last week against the Steelers wasn't great, but didn't kill you. You know, he was a top 15 fantasy tight end on the week. Uh, The Lions have not been, you know, they've been far from a shutdown group in in terms of tight end coverage. Um, I don't know about Torrey Smith. You know, it's very DJ Moore's viability very much depends on Torrey Smith. Uh, We'll have to find out about that later in the week. 
Christian McCaffrey is a stud. You know, he was the guy. He was the only guy who had a big game in that Thursday night game, showing matchup proof ability uh, against Pittsburgh. Uh, his touchdowns are coming in bunches. You know, he's a great example of positive uh, touchdown regression to the mean, and uh, because he had one touchdown in weeks one through seven, and over his last three games, he has seven touchdowns. Uh, we can move on to the next one. The next game, Evan, I got to tell you, I'm actually pretty fired up about both these teams. The Tennessee Titans, I love what I'm seeing from them. They're on the road to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Two teams, I think, are going to be teams that will make some noise in the second half of the year and look like teams to really keep an eye on the next couple of years. Yeah, teams that are that, that you know they their their records are not great right now. I think they're the same. I think they're both four and five. But they, Titan, they're definitely Titans dangerous. Titans are actually five and four. Titans are actually five and Titans four. Titans are five and four. Okay, yeah. So and they're they're both dangerous. I mean, I think that you know Mike Vrabel has not been perfect. I mean, he you know he uh, they had the that one. Uh, the game-ending series against the Chargers probably could have done a better job uh, with the play calling. Although that is also, you know, up to, to uh, Matt Lafleur. I mean, they, they and they were going for the win in that situation. Um, but you know, he has like w- when his team has been in difficult position. I mean, their quarterback couldn't even grip the football for you know four or five weeks there. Like they would kind of pull out the stops to. Um, you know, just kind of increase the variance of the game, you know, do trick plays and that kind of stuff. And they had success doing that. And now their quarterback is healthy and they don't have a lot in the pass catcher core. I mean, they're out here winning with, you know, Corey Davis and Johnu Smith, you know, getting three targets and Deion Lewis and, you know, Taewon Taylor has been out. Tajay Sharp has been a ghost ghost since that uh, chargers game. Doesn't even have a catch since that game. Um, you know, they're out here playing with Cameron Batson. Cameron Batson is an undrafted dude. He was the third receiver for the Texas Tech Red Raiders last year. The the, the number one was Kiki QT, uh, the Texan slot receiver. The number two is, was Dylan, or Dylan Cantrell, who's on the Chargers inward reserve six-round pick. But, I mean, they're out here playing with Cameron Batson, a third receiver in the Big 12, as their, uh, you know, their number two, essentially. And he made some plays last week. Um, but, yeah, they, they're a well-coached team. Their quarterback is healthy. I think that Marcus Mayer – I think this game has shootout potential. Uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium, I think the Colts at this point can score on anyone. Um, you know, we talked about last week, wasn't afraid of the Jaguars at all. Luck lit it up. Um, Ebron lit it up. I think that Mari- Mariota is a guy that uh, at the last second, I, I dropped Baker Mayfield in one league, and I played Marcus Mariota over him. Um, actually, uh, Baker Mayfield had the better fantasy game, um, but I didn't regret it because Marcus Mariota had a very good game. Uh, now I can use him against the Colts this week, whereas Baker Mayfield is on his bye. So I'm, I'm streaming Marcus Mariota again, uh, and Corey Davis, oh my goodness, he put on a clinic last week. I mean, uh, body control, route running, you know, he he showed us what the potential again. He's had two of those games this year. This one was against Stephon Gilmore, who'd been maybe the best cornerback in the league in weeks one through nine. The other one was against the Eagles, you know, not as imposing. 
but love what I saw from Corey Davis. He's still too, too cheap in daily fantasy. Um, he should be a lock in lineups this week um, and certainly in season-long lineups. Um, yeah, the rest of the pass catcher core kind of covered that. Jonu Smith I do think is, is a very viable streamer against the Colts. Colts are not good against tight ends. We saw James O'Shaughnessy pop up for a five-catch 47-yard game against them last week. Uh, Johnny Smith has not topped three targets in any game this year, but he scored in back-to-back games, and they've had like little manufactured plays designed to get him the ball uh, on the goal line. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he pops up for like seven targets this week, and then he, he'd be a very, very good play. He's always been a really good athlete and was very productive coming out of college. Luck, I mean, what else is there to say? He's... He plays behind the best offensive line in the league, which I know that people still can't comprehend, but it's true. You don't give up sacks. You don't give up hits. You don't give up hurries. You know, you're top 10 in yards per carry. I mean, what else is there to say? You know, and they actually should be good. I mean, shoot, look at their personnel. Anthony Costanzo, first-round pick. Left guard, Quentin Nelson, first-round pick. Ryan Kelly, first-round pick. You know, right tackle, Braden Smith, early second-round pick. Uh, right guard Mark Lewinsky, um, you know, was a fourth round pick for Seattle. Uh, you know, did he kind of failed there, but he's a great athlete coming out of Pitt and or uh, West Virginia, I believe. And um, uh, I mean, he's he's been a stud run blocker for the Colts. They they legit have like the best offensive line in the league, and that's going to put their offense in very advantageous situations. Andrew Luck is matchup proof. T.Y. Hilton is kind of the squeaky wheel. There's been talk about uh, in the in the indie media of him just not getting the ball very much. Uh, the OC was, or I'm sorry, uh, Frank Reich was uh, asked to address that. They need to get the ball to T.Y. more. You know, T.Y. historically has always had his best games at home indoors at Lucas Oil Stadium. Would not be surprised if he popped up for one of those this week. Adoree Jackson has been terrific, though. Uh, Adoree Jackson played a big role in holding Josh Gordon to 81 yards on 12 targets last week. Um, not not an, not an easy matchup, but I, you know, they they run T.Y. Hilton inside a lot. Uh, his snaps in the slot are way up uh, since he came back from his hamstring injury. He was over 40 percent slot receiver last week. Um, I, I I would keep rolling. He led the Colts in receiving last week. I'd keep rolling with him. Eric Ebron, man, this this guy is just. He had three. Ta- he ran thirteen routes all last game. Okay, he uh, he played like thirty five percent of the Colts snaps. He had three targets. He caught all three of them. One was for a fifty three yard touchdown. Another for a touchdown, and he rushed for a touchdown. I mean, it, he's got ten receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown this year. I just he, he's a very hard dude to explain. Um, you know, I, I would have, you know, major trepidation about him because just the overall participation in the game participation in the game has not been a lot. And I think at some point it's going to kind of catch up to him, but can't blame anyone for continuing to start him with confidence just based on his bottom line. Jack Doyle, 22 routes last week, three targets, gets tackled at the one-yard line. And, of course, Mo Alley-Cox scores the next touchdown. Mo Alley-Cox had more targets than Eric Ebron did last week. Um, 
you know, Mo Ali Cox is actually kind of like a threat to Eric Ebron's fantasy uh, 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 production. Uh, but I would keep rolling with Jack Doyle. Um, I know that it, you know it hasn't. It's been like up and down. There's just a lot of mouths to feed in Indianapolis. You got Dontrell Inman, Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal. If you look at the the, the route running participation among their receivers, it's T.Y. Hilton at the top, and then a bunch of other dudes sharing time uh, in the backfield. Marlon Mack uh, was kind of stymied. Last week against the Jags. Jags are a pretty good run defense. Titans are too. Uh, we saw that last week against Sony Michelle. Uh, but this is, you know, uh, uh, not a great matchup for Marlon Mack, but the Colts are favored at home. Marlon Mack has big playability. He still had 14 touches. Last week, Naheem Hines had six. Jordan Wilkins won. Um, I would keep rolling with Marlon Mack as a, a wide receiver too. We can move on to the next one. Let's get to the Bucks at the Giants. Bucks moved the ball up and down, couldn't score. Giants actually did put some points on the board. Yeah, so this is a kind of a sneaky shootout game. Um, Tampa Bay, or yeah, uh, the Giants go back home, and you know Eli Manning has been all right when he's been protected. He's been all right. He's been like the number eighteen rated passer in the NFL when he's been protected. And then when he's not protected, he's like dead last. Um, you know, so, and that's, that's not really, you know, what you want from your quarterback, but it, it does show that he can have decent games when he's protected. And his protection was fine against the 49ers. 49ers can't rush the passer um, unless they play, uh, you know, Colton Miller and the Raiders. Uh, but they have not been a, a pass rushing team all season. And they couldn't rush the passer against the Giants. And the Buccaneers can't rush the passer. They're bottom five in the NFL in pressure uh, rate per drop back. So I think that Eli Manning can have a good game. Now, again, you know, in the in the game, in the weeks leading up to games where I thought that Eli Manning could have a good game, he stunk. Like every single time. You know, against the Eagles, against the Saints, um, you know, I I can't remember where I was on him last week, but I, you know, he's just it, it just seems like whatever I expect to happen, the opposite happens with Eli Manning this year. Uh, so, you know, again, he's not like necessarily a high floor option at all, but you know, he's got Odell Beckham going up against the Buccaneers, who give up the second most yards per game to wide receivers. He's got. Evan Ingram going up against the Buccaneers who give up the most yards per game to tight ends. He's got Sterling Shepard going up against the Buccaneers who give up the most fantasy points per game to slot receivers. You know, he's got Saquon Barkley going up against the Buccaneers who give up the 10th most uh, receiving yards per game to opposing running backs and have not been good uh, uh, in run defense for the last two weeks either. Um, and are, look like they're going to be without Levante David, and we're, we're already without uh, Quan Alexander. So, you know, the, I, you know, if the Giants' offense doesn't show up here, I just I don't know what to say um, because everything suggests that they should show up against Tampa Bay. Uh, on the other side, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as you mentioned, they had over 500 yards of total offense. You know, Cameron Brait drops a touchdown pass. Uh, Fitzpatrick throws one into the dirt 
uh, to, you know, intended for Mike Evans from like two yards out. He's wide open. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick throws a couple of picks uh, inside the um, inside the red zone. Uh, Ryan, uh, he lost a fumble, and Jacquez Rogers lost a fumble into the end zone. So they got three points. You know, so um, that was just that happened in that game, and now we're moving forward. Uh, the Giants' defense has been not terrible, uh, definitely not good, but not terrible. Uh, but I think that you know what 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 the Buccaneers really need is for the Giants to score points here, uh, because Ryan Fitzpatrick just seems to thrive much more so in games where they're kind of like rallying back, and you know he's got to play with a ton of urgency. It just seems like that you know clicks in his brain. Uh, and you know, he makes better decisions when he's kind of like under pressure, um, not necessarily with a guy in his face, but you know when he's having to make urgent decisions. And uh, I think that that you know that would bode the best for Ryan Fitzpatrick. But as we discussed earlier, that's not necessarily a guarantee to happen. Uh, but I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick bounces back for a good game. Mike Evans going to square off with Janoris Jenkins, who's been atrocious all season gambling cornerback you go you go back and just um adjust for all the games where ryan fitzpatrick has played uh from start to finish which is five games weeks one through three and weeks nine through ten mike evans has 627 air yards the next closest on the on the buccaneers is in the low 300s at at deshaun jackson um you know and and the last couple of weeks have been just not great for Mike Evans, but you know it's also been just some a lot of bad breaks. And uh, you know in this matchup, I think that he bounces back again. We need the Giants to score, and then we can kind of have everybody on the Buccaneers get theirs. And we we, we want to shoot out. You know that's the case for every game, uh, but I think that you know that that has a, an especially good chance to happen in this game if these teams show up, which you know they sometimes they don't show up. Usually the Buccaneers offense shows up. They just didn't show up in the red zone last week. Peyton Barber continued to struggle with his ankle injury, uh, was in and out last week. Jacquez Rogers uh, had a ton of receiving yards, over 100. It's just a two-man timeshare at this point. Peyton Barber, you need a touchdown out of him for him, for him to pay off at all. Uh, I don't think we're going to get another 100 receiving yards from Jacquez Rogers against the Giants. Uh, OJ, so the, Buc- the Giants have been slaughtered by tight ends again this year um oj howard only two targets last week that was one of their problems really in the red zone you know you got to get the rock to your your red zone superstar oj howard uh they should be able to fix that against the giants um cameron Brate has not reached 35 yards in a game all season you know the drill with deshaun jackson you know you can look at you can read my column on thursday it shows you know, every game that uh, that Deshaun Jackson has had where uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick played from start to finish, and it's, you know, monster game and then nothing. Monster game and then nothing. And that last week was right in the middle, 5 for 67. So, you know, he's just a wide receiver three, high variance wide receiver three. Chris Godwin went over 100 yards. That was only his second game over 60 yards all season. He's had a bunch of touchdowns, although he hasn't scored in a while. Uh, but he's very much in the same boat as Deshaun Jackson. You know, they play four receivers. 
And so they have, you know, a rotation at receiver and that limits the consistency of their guys. We can move on to the next one. Let's get to the Texans coming off a bye against the Redskins who had a major gut check win you were just talking about against the Bucks. Yeah, I've been putting this game off uh, a little bit to analyze it because um, waiting on news on Kiki QT uh, and on the Redskins side, you know, you never know who's going to play for them. Uh, Chris Thompson, is he going to play? You know, um, Jordan Reed has a great matchup, but hasn't been getting it done. He's just a low end tight end one at this point. Vernon Davis. A lot of people wanted to play him in DFS last week. He had zero catches. Um, you know, he's he's like a mainly a blocker in their offense, really. And he does make plays in the passing game at times. But in games where they're going to, like, play ahead and not feel any sense of urgency, Vernon Davis is going to be on the blind blocking. So, that you know, that, that hurts his fantasy viability. Alex Smith hasn't been good in fantasy all year. Um, you know, Adrian, the offensive line is still – a major concern and uh, they're going up against a better front this week than they did last week. Adrian Peterson, he's just like a kind of like a, a, a somewhat unreliable RB two. Um, kind of needs a touchdown. Uh, doesn't catch a lot of passes. You know, that's just kind of what he is right now. Texas have been great against the run and, and they're going to be getting back Zach Cunningham, their best inside linebacker. Josh Doxson, classic touchdown or bus guy. I mean, does not get yards, but he scored a touchdown in back-to-back games. Uh, in one of my high-stakes le- leagues last week, we had the decision of Josh Doxson or Taylor Gabriel. Uh, we based our projection uh, going with Taylor Gabriel on the fact that we expected the Bears to score more points, which they, of course, did. Uh, they scored more than twice as many points. Yet, Taylor Gabriel had zero catches, and Josh Doxson had a touchdown. And so our decision, the outcome of our decision, was uh, the worst possible. Um, In the receiver core, Maurice Harris had five for 52 last week against Tampa Bay. That's pretty solid from him. Um you know, you could expect something similar against Houston. I would watch out for Aaron Colvin, though. I mean, this dude is a shutdown slot corner. He's been out most of the season, uh, but Bill O'Brien hinted that he could be back this week. On the other side, Deshaun Watson, this should be the healthiest that we've seen him in a long time. Their their pass catcher core should be all loaded up with Kiki QT and Demarius Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that, that puts him in a very good position to finish strong in terms of fantasy. And he went into the bye uh, playing really well. I expect him to keep that up. Uh, the Redskins defense has given up over 300 passing yards in three consecutive games. And they haven't been particularly stout against the run uh, over the last two or three weeks either. So Lamar Miller, decent RB2 play. Dante Foreman, I don't know even, even know what to think. Bill O'Brien in early October said that Dante Foreman would be back when first eligible in week seven. We're now in week 11, and he's not been activated yet. Uh, so Alfred Blue continues to be the Texans' primary backup to Lamar Miller. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins versus Josh Norman. Hopkins wins this 9.9 times out of 10. Um Demarius Thomas, you know, they kind of tried to, like, force him the ball 
early in the game against Denver in week nine before the bye. It went pretty well, um, you know, but he, I mean, he wasn't very good in fantasy, but he wasn't terrible. Uh, the Redskins are not going to have Quentin Dunbar, their number two cornerback, back. Um, De- Demarius Thomas is a, a decent, you know, not great, not terrible wide receiver three play against the Skins. Uh, the, the Redskins have been great at slot corner, uh, and so and Kiki QT is kind of like I'd put him in a prove it situation, uh, coming off this lengthy, length, lengthy hamstring injury. We can move on to the next one. Next one is the last one here in part one. The red-hot Pittsburgh Steelers, we now have clarity regarding the Le'Veon Bell situation. And also, Tomlin didn't seem to be all too worried about James Conner and the concussion protocol for this week. Going against the Jags team that, for whatever reason, Evan, seems to have the Steelers' number. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to actually talk really positively here here about a bunch of Steelers uh, offense or um, offensive players. But you're right. I mean, certainly last year they did. Uh, they beat them twice, you know. Um, and uh, in the divisional round, they jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead, which then became 28 to seven in the second quarter. And Big Ben and, you know, Antonio Brown rallied back, made it a 45-42 to game. Uh, Antonio Brown beat A.J. Bouye twice for touchdowns. A.J. Bouye, I don't think he's going to play this week. He hasn't he isn't seemed even close to be, you know, because they were coming off their bye last week and he didn't even seem close to playing. So I, I would guess that he won't be back. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, your, your boy Tony Baselli was tweeting about this, that um, – Jalen Ramsey was like uh, going rogue and playing press man coverage last week and uh, causing coverage busts, specifically on Eric Ebron's 53-yard catch-and-run TD. Like there needed to be another guy over there, but uh, Jalen Ramsey is just kind of doing his own thing, and you know that that's going to cause problems in the scheme. So, I mean, is you know Jalen Ramsey going to get disciplined for that? You know, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, but you know that that makes you, you fear this Jaguars defense a little bit less. Now, this game was originally scheduled for prime time. It was originally scheduled for Sunday night. Ben Roethlisberger has a great track record in prime time games, just unbelievable track record, and it's like a fifty-nine game sample size. So. Uh, I, you know, I was all prepared to talk about that, except the game got flexed to, to uh, noon central, and um, Big Ben does not have a good track record in the, the 1 p.m. Eastern time road games. So that that's like a significant concern for Big Ben. That's actually, if you go back and, because again, the Steelers and the Jags played twice last year. I think the first one was in week five. Um, or week eight or something. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Big Ben was terrible in that game. Antonio Brown actually had 10 for 157. I, I just, I'm not, I wouldn't worry about Antonio Brown, and I wouldn't worry about Juju Smith-Schuster. That's been the, uh, the area to attack the Jaguars in the slot, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is like an 80% slot receiver. So and and uh, you go back to, and look at the divisional round game. That's when Vance McDonald had the 16 targets. They were like just throwing him pitches, um, kind of like little zone beater pitches, 
and letting him run after catch. He's so good after the catch. Um, this this all this adds up and gives me optimism about Ben Roethlisberger even in this one o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern Time road game. Um, in the running game, you mentioned James Conner. You know the Jaguars have stayed really stout in run defense for the most part. Although they have given up six rushing touchdowns over their last uh, five games, uh, you know they've lost five games in a row. These teams are in just completely opposite places. Steelers have won five in a row. Jags have lost five in a row. Uh, you, if you leave out James Conner's concussion-shortened game last Thursday night, he's averaging 23 touches per game, uh, over 130 total yards per game. He's every week starter. Uh, but we should acknowledge that the matchup is difficult. It's on the road against, as you mentioned, this this Jaguars team that has played the Steelers well, uh, at least at least in the last couple of meetings. Uh, James Washington zero targets last week, just not a part of their offense right now. Um, on the other side, the Jags. You know, Blake Bortles has quietly been a top twelve fantasy quarterback in consecutive weeks. This is a good reminder to play best ball and just draft Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky on every team. And, you know, you get them like in the 15th and 16th rounds and by season's end, you combine to have a top three quarterback. Uh, Blake Bortles has had big games this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to have one this, this week though. Steelers have really been clamped down on defense. I mean, they were awful in the first month allowed 29 points per game. Since then they're aver- they're allowing 18 points per game. And they've sh- and it's not against a bunch of chump opponents. I mean, they held the Panthers to 21, a bunch of it in garbage time, most vast majority in garbage time. And they also shut down the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons have been playing at a super super high level. I mean, Matt Ryan his numbers are very comparable to his 2016 NFL MVP year. So I, I, I'm inclined to say that this, this Steelers defense is legit. They can rush the passer. They're tied for first in the NFL in sacks. Um, you know, Joe Hayden has been terrific. They got back Mike Hilton at slot corner. Um, and just, you know, at the end of the day, it just all comes down to pass rush. And I think they're going to have pass rush success against the Jags, who are now on their fourth string left tackle. Because uh, Eric Flowers, who they tried to force in last week, he got hurt. And then they also lost Brandon Linder, their stud center. Pro Football Focus has you know 35 guys with enough qualified playing time to grade at the center position. Brandon Linder, top five. So I, I don't think that Blake Bortles is going to have a big game. D.D. Westbrook had 10 uh, targets last week. Steelers uh, have given up production to uh, slot receivers in particular this year. I think the D.D. Westbrook is probably the best play in the Jaguars receiver core. Dante Moncrief would be a close second based on his opportunity, and he's, he's shown actual big playability this season. He's got um, four games of 75-plus yards this season. Of course, he's got like a goose egg and – you know, a bunch like single digit yards and a bunch of games too. He's just so, so boom or bust. Um, but he's getting a lot of air yards. They're throwing him the ball downfield. He's shown some catch and run ability. Uh, and he's always been a big dude in the red zone. Uh, but he's going to catch Joe Hayden 
in this one. And I think that D.D. Westbrook is the best option in the receiver core. Unfortunately, your boy Keelan Cole got his guy. He got benched in London for drops and fumbles, and he again ran behind D.J. Chark last week. Uh, and he looks like the fourth receiver right now. Um, at tight end, James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, he has averaged 27 routes per game over his last three. Uh, he saw six targets last week. He caught five, and the Steelers have been bad against tight ends. So, James O'Shaughnessy, if you need a streamer tight end, here's your dude. In the backfield, Leonard Fournette returns 29 touches, only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. But uh, I thought he looked really good. Um, You know, again, the Jaguars' offensive line is in a pretty bad state right now. But... He had a 31-yard screen pass, set up his own goal line touchdown. Then he had a receiving touchdown later in the game. He looked really good in the passing game. Uh, and they used him a lot in the passing game, which I love to see. Steelers have not been particularly good against running backs in the passing game. They have been good at defending running backs on the ground. Uh, but with that kind of workload, you know, Carlos Hyde is just a I don't, I don't even know why they went and got him. I mean, three carries for five yards. I mean, I, you know, it's fine to have insurance, but it's just I, – I don't get it. Um, T.J. Yeldon went right back to the change-up role. Uh, Leonard Fournette, monster workload, you know, big-time talent. Um, at home, facing this team that the Jaguars have played well historically, stardom. Evan, that was fantastic. As always, you are the man. I'm already excited for part two with the Sunday late games, the Sunday nighter, and the Monday nighter. So excited. I may go even before we post the Even Money podcast. Go over to betonline.ag. You gave me a couple of hints that even just helped me out with the bets I'm going to place on the Even Money podcast over at betonline.ag using the code podcast1 get emails from you guys all the time that have already signed up got a bunch of you tweeting at me when i posted you know that i won back to back weeks i think i'll check i think they've already picked the people whose accounts they credited you know the podcast1 folks over at betonline.ag for, the, for me winning back-to-back weeks, the podcast won Sportsnet Challenge. I believe they've credited everybody, but I'll check so that if they still haven't, because they go through, I don't get a chance to pick. They go through and pick people to credit the $100. So I'll check, but I think they've already done it. But at any rate, hopefully I'll win it again. So if you haven't already signed up, betonline.ag, go ahead and sign up. So that you have an account number, so the next time I win, you are the one that can tweet me your account number and get a hundred dollars credited into your account. That's what's up. BetOnline.ag using the code podcast one. Part two is also what's up. I'm stuffed, but I saved room for dessert, and dessert is part two. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.